you know, praise to the Lord. And we've been naming our messages after some of the main verses from Joy to the World. Last week was Joy to the World, He is Lord, or He has come. Um, this week is Joy to the World, the Savior, or Joy to the Earth, the Savior reigns. So we're going to be looking into that a little bit. But I wanted to start with a quick story. We like to use stories to make things real personal around here. Um, as you guys know, me and my wife, Melissa, she's my wife, so we did get married at one point. Um, but uh, we have quite a different upbringing, and not everything was done exactly God's way or his plan for marriage. Um, I've got my oldest, Mason, and she had her oldest, Parker, at the time when we met, when we started hanging out. And uh, she had developed a lifestyle um, that was very accommodating to her, and Parker started doing things that set up a real healthy place, a place for him to live. And uh, they developed these habits and things that they do daily that were really good. Well, I mean, and that was in Pocatello, Idaho. Well, up here in Great Falls, Montana, I had Mason every other week, and there were things that worked really well as far as disciplining and parenting Mason that we did, that I did. And uh, it was going pretty good. Well, then God is really awesome, and he brings us together, and we start dating and hanging out. And real quick, especially as we got closer to our wedding, we found out, hmm, we don't do exactly everything the same every day with parenting and stuff. And it led to a little bit of conflict on things every now and then, and still continues to, but, uh, and probably will continue to. But uh, whether it be in a marriage, or maybe you're at work, maybe it's with a friend, uh, a coworker, or a boss, um, there's always two people involved in a relationship. And when that happens, when two imperfect people come together, there's always the opportunity for conflict, for one to have a different way of doing things than the other, for um, just conflict to arise. And the thing is, is we all like to be reigning. We all like to be on our little throne. We like things to be done our way. And so whether it's parenting, disciplining our children, cooking dinner, or doing things like the dishes, there's one way to do dishes, right? Right, Brian? You do them. As soon as the dish is dirty, you do it, you dry it, you put it away, it's done. You don't put a big pile up and then, pot, and then come back an hour later, look at the dishes, right. pre-clean them, and then put them in a washer, <laughs> a dishwasher, and then watch for two hours as the thing runs, and then unload them, put them away. No, you just do it right away and you get it done with. Everybody agrees with me, right? Dishwashers, nobody uses them. Ryan, you're amazing. Thank you for being here for me. My wife will not talk to you anymore. So. <laughs> yeah. Or she needs to talk to you more. All right. But then there's other serious things in life that we, we come about, like how we hang our clothes. Really serious. Like if we're looking in our closet, we come to our closet, and your shirts, they have to be hung right, right? You can hang it this way, so the buttons are facing this way. Or you can hang it this way, so the buttons are facing this way. If any of you guys does this and hangs it this way and puts it over the hanger that way, yeah, you're totally wrong. We don't even talk to you people. So, so, but in our house, there's this debate. Does it go this way or do we do it right and, and do it this way? Now, we all read left to right. So as we're looking at our things in our closet, we push this left. We see the front. Then the next one left. So left to right, we read. That's the correct way of doing that. No room for arguments. The other big one is this or this. Guys, it's this. No matter what. 
Every time they design the toilet paper, they put it on the outside so you can see it as it's hanging there. If it's this way, you're seeing through it, trying to see what's on the other side. My toilet paper is not that fancy. It is two-ply, but there's nothing fancy on the outside of it. Um, and then the other thing is if it's like this, you're not trying to like reach underneath and get this flap that you can't get, and you're not hitting it, and then it just goes... So toilet paper, one way and only one way. One way, correct? Right? All right. And as king of my castle, I'm always right, right? Or wait, maybe there's also a queen of the castle. But then if anybody's ever played a game in their life, king always trumps king. Always. All right. Just go with me, guys. And uh, husbands, don't repeat anything I say ever. So, Obviously, though, there's always two in the relationship with any two people. So the question is, who is reigning at any given moment in our relationships, in our lives, with everything that's going on? And we all want to be on the throne, right? Everybody wants to make the decisions. Everybody wants to call the shots. Everybody wants to know what's coming. We want things our way, just like this little girl does. Leading up to this part in the movie, you probably remember her, and she was famous for, I want it, and I want it now. That's us so many times. Or maybe it's not. Can anybody relate with that at all? I want it, and I want it now. Is there anybody here that has never wanted something now, does everything perfect, is always perfectly patient? Liar. (laughs) I'm glad somebody raised their hand. Um, we could have your husband come up and see and, and share with us if that's, that's not. Okay. So last week we were talking about a young girl. Her name was Mary. She was a young teenage girl, maybe 15 years old. She got a visitor. The angel Gabriel came to visit her. That's kind of crazy. That would be kind of cool if it happened now. I'd love to get a visitation from the angel Gabriel. That would be awesome. But then... If that didn't change her day a little bit at that point, the angel has some news that she brings. He brings this young girl. And he says, you're going to conceive, of, conceive a baby. And she's like, well, I'm engaged, but we've kept our ways pure. We've followed the Lord's way. We're doing everything right. I'm a virgin. How's that going to happen? And the angel goes on to say to her, well, you're going to conceive this baby through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to have this baby. Anybody here think for just a second that maybe that wasn't the plans that the young teenage Mary had for her life at that point? Obviously different. She was ready to be married. She was doing some other things. She had different plans right then and there. But the angel goes on. He says, hey, you're going to have this baby. You're going to name him Jesus. A lot of moms would be like, hey, I named my own babies. Um, You know, um, when we were looking at a baby name, it was till that morning before we could agree and guess who gave in queen trumped but that's okay we love caleb he's awesome and it's an awesome name so he said you're going to name him jesus he's going to be great he's going to be son of the most high god's going to give him the throne of david he's going to reign over the house of jacob forever and his kingdom will never ever end and mary at that point even though Her plans might have been different. How did she respond? She said, I'm a servant of my Lord. If this is what you ask, God, I will do it. 
the Lord reigned over Mary's life, even as a young teenager. But then the story continues. Gabriel gives her more news. He says, hey, this is kind of crazy, but down the road, you know, over in the hill country of Judea, your relative, Elizabeth, yeah, the really old one, she's going to have a baby too. I know she's been barren, but she's going to have a baby. And so Mary, young teenage girl, living in Nazareth, looks and she's like, hey, I'm going to go visit my cousin, my relative. So she packs her things. And again, as a teenage girl, she starts this voyage. Well, that trip's about 90 miles. So picture from here to Helena, young teenage girl. We're guessing that this is in late July, August. The climate in this region is similar to what we experience here. So probably 80, 90, 100 degrees. Young teenage girl packing her stuff and traveling from here to Helena all by herself, pregnant. Not normally something we'd recommend as fathers. But Mary does it. And why does she do it? She does it because she values community. She values her relatives. She values being in community with other people. And she feels led to go. So she goes. And here at Connect, we really value community. We want people to be in connection groups with each other. Why? Because a lot of times when we come together, God does great things. If you guys remember Pentecost, people gathered. Holy Spirit shows up. 3,000 people are saved that day. A lot of times when we gather through the week in our homes, God does neat things, speaks to us. In this situation again, God did something neat when two people came together. Upon Mary's entering the home and with her greeting, anybody remember what happened? The baby leaped in the womb and Elizabeth was full of the Holy Spirit just by coming into community with each other. They came in and that's pretty crazy. And then Elizabeth responds in Luke 1.45 and said, Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her and will be accomplished. Mary was blessed because of her obedience, because God reigning over her life. Both of these women were blessed because the Lord reigned over both of their lives. Last week, we went on to look at the song that Mary sung in response, the Magnificat, or what some have called the Song of Reversals. And we talked about that song quite a bit last week. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm really thankful that God is a God of reversals, that he humbles the proud, that he'll make rich the poor, that he doesn't always pick the person that got, has it all together to do the next thing, that he chose me to be here today. I'm thankful and honored to be here. And our big idea last week was we sing, Mary sang, because the God of reversal reigns and has come. So today we're going to go to the next section of scripture there right in the Bible. We're just going to fall suit and we're going to jump down to Luke 1, 57 through 63. And here's the next chapter of the story. It speaks of the birth of John the Baptist. I'll just read starting at 57. If you don't have a Bible and like one, we have a bunch of them back there. You're more than welcome to take one. Our gift from us to you. The Bible's the primary way people speaks to is God. God speaks to his people today. I would love for an angel to show up, but... If not, we've got the Bible, and it's as good as anything. So it says in 57, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord has shown her great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zachariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, 
None of your relatives is called by this name. And then they made signs to the father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet. Anybody remember why he asked for a writing tablet? Yeah, he could not speak. Thanks, Claudette. You're very participating, and I appreciate that. But So yeah, why did he write for this tablet? Well, if you remember, when they found out they were going to have a baby... John and Elizabeth, or sorry, Zechariah and Elizabeth were there. And the angel also came to speak to Zechariah. And he showed up and he started saying, Hey, Zechariah, you're going to have a baby. And Zechariah is like, um, Have you seen my wife? She's old. She's barren. She can't do this. And he laughed. And guys, don't ever say your wife's old and all that stuff. Don't do like Zechariah did. But he does. And he laughs at the angel. And as a consequence or a result, the angel seals his lips at that point, and he can't talk. And the angel says, you will not be able to talk until this baby is born. So again, 63, it says, he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John, and they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God, and fear came on all the neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard him laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Zechariah learned a lesson the hard way. He wasn't full of faith like Mary was. If we look at two examples of how they reacted when the angel came, Mary, again, very calmly said, I'm a servant of the Lord. If that's what God says, I'll do it. Zechariah was a bit different. He said, no. Um, He laughed at the angel of God. And for you ladies, wouldn't you guys just think that, or wouldn't you ladies just think that, hey, how many of us guys need to learn our lessons the hard way? Wouldn't you agree that sometimes we speak a little too fast, learn lessons the tough way? And Zechariah did the same thing. He learned it through the school of hard knocks. But baby was born. He named him John as he was instructed. And then Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. So what does Zechariah do? Just like Mary, he breaks out in song. Mary broke out in the Magnificae, or which means in Latin, to magnify. Zechariah breaks out in the Benedictus, which is Latin for blessed be, or praise be. Again, praises the God, blessed be the Lord. Zechariah was doing exactly what he was created to do his tongue had been loosed. And what was he going to do with this opportunity? He was going to worship just as he had been created. So he sings a song. Zechariah sings a great song about how God reigns. How he's reigned in the past, how he reigns in the present, and how he's going to reign in the future. And that's our big day today. We get to sing again because our Savior reigns. Remember the song? Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. That song, Joy to the World, was a response to the Psalms, what God had said. Isaac Watts responded to God and sang joyfully. And isn't there just something about singing that resonates with our heart, that gets us excited, that is just a good time? For me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's here with you guys corporately on Sunday morning singing 
Or if it's with my boys in the car, a lot of times, like the song God's Not Dead will come on. Those boys just sing it at the top of their lungs. And as we're doing so, it's just awesome in the car. Or, luckily many of you don't have to hear this, but my wife might, sometimes in the shower, a song gets my heart. And the words of it just resonate. And I just have to sing it out loud and sing praises to God. And it's just awesome. But, but we do that. And here at Connect, we're, we're a people that sing outwardly to God. God's blessed us. God's done things. We respond to him. We respond by outwardly singing. In fact, Russ, Pastor Russ down in Bozeman, when he planted Connect down there, one of the things he envisioned was people gathering and worshiping passionately, all-out passionate worship. I think Sunday mornings is a great experience here. It's a lot of time. And we do, because we do this because the words of these songs resonate with our hearts, but these words of these songs also speak and share a lot of biblical truths. Many times, the words of the songs come straight from the Bible, just like Joy to the World from Isaac Watts. So, back to Zechariah. What would an elderly man, filled with the Holy Spirit, sing about? We've got three things today. The Savior reigns in the past. If we look at Luke one sixty-eight through 75 you guys can read along with me here. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has reigned up, up a horn of salvation. In other versions, it says here, instead of horn of salvation, a mighty savior for us in the house of David, his servant. And I want to step back a minute ago, just a little bit for a second. We were just told earlier that John is eight days old at this point. When Gabriel had visited Mary, Elizabeth was in her sixth month of pregnancy. This makes Mary probably about five to six months from having the baby of Jesus. But listen to these words again. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of David. Zechariah here, how does he speak? He speaks as if it's already happened. All this, all those words are in the past tense. Why? Well, Zechariah, through learning the hard way, he knows if God speaks through an angel, through his word to you, it's as good as done. So he can look at these verses, look at, these, look at this song, and he prophesies. He's like, hey guys, this is what God says. It's as good as done. And that's our question for today on this first section. Does your faith allow you to trust every word that you read in the Bible? Does it allow you to step out in faith, not only with your words, but your actions, and trust every single that we, word that we've read from God and step out in faith in our lives to resemble that? Do you guys trust God to fully reign over your life? Let's look at a little more things if we jump down to verse 70. It says, As he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and, we, and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that we swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all, all our days. Again, have we been saved from our enemies yet? Has Jesus returned yet? No. Zechariah is proclaiming these things and praising God as if they're already done. And his life, from this point on, takes a turn. Like, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to give you everything. Because everything you say, God, I can trust you. And my life's going to reflect that. 
sometimes if you hit the wrong button on one of these and you can't see because you have an eye infection, um, you lose your spot really bad. (laughs) But yeah, Zechariah worships God. Why? Because he's done exactly everything that he said he would do. And these promises that Zechariah has been waiting on, at a very minimum, it's been 400 years since they had last heard from God, since the people at that time had heard. And they've been holding on to these for 400 years. I don't know about you guys, but after 400 years of waiting for something to come true, some of us would probably start to doubt. Some of us would be like, "Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to be happening. Well, some of these promises not only were 400 years, but a lot longer than that. So today, because I'm a nice guy, I'm just going to promise you guys all, 400 years from now, I promise that... No. None of you guys are going to take that promise seriously. You're going to be like, that's just Lucas. Promise 400 years from now? There's nothing you can do. But Zechariah praises God because everything he said, regardless of how long ago, it was coming true. And if we look in Genesis 22, 15 through 18, he talks about Abraham and the promise that was given there. And it says, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and, not, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess this gate, possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring, offspring shall all nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Zechariah here again, he praises because he remembers what God had promised Abraham. And at this point, he's seen these things happen. He knows that these things have happened. So he's praising them because things of the past he's seen in modern day. He praises him because God has kept his praises, promises. Zechariah praises because God, even though it hasn't happened yet, has sent a Savior and will send a Savior. Zechariah sings because God reigns. So, how have I experienced God's reign in my life? Well, if I go back to when I was seven years old, we moved. And we moved from Frenchtown into Missoula. And I wasn't too excited about that as a little kid. Didn't want to give up my friends, even though I was only in the first, second grade. But real quickly, I met a family down the street. And they were just the nicest people. I was like, wow, these people are nice. They'd always invite us over. Um, Dad and Mom, they had a family. My parents were divorced. I really just envied everything I saw there. And uh, they'd always invite us over. Well, one day, Mrs. Palmer asked my mom, she's like, would it be okay if we took Lucas and the other kids to Bible study on Wednesday night? There's this kid's thing. It's great. It's called Good News Bears. And my mom said, sure. And we'd been in and out of the Catholic Church and when it was convenient. And uh, so had a little bit of knowledge of God and who he was. But she was like, sure. So I start going. Well, I hang out with them for a couple years that we lived there before we lived, before we moved again, and uh, went in and out. And seeds were planted and stuff. And well, we jump ahead. I get out of high school. And I was a pretty good kid up till that point. Then I turned and I started worshiping the world. Um, if you guys can name it, other than drugs, I probably did it, sought after it, chased after it. And, uh, you know, at that point, um, 
2007. I was hanging out with Mason's mom. We were engaged. We had Mason, and not according to God's plan. We were going to church on and off again when it was convenient. I was working at Nitrograin and at Applebee's waiting tables, and uh, it was funny because on January 17th, 2009, after living for the world, having a nice truck, nice car, boat, everything I could want or thought I could want, that morning I get a text, and it's from Mason's mom, and she's like, we're done, I'm leaving. I'm on my way to work. I was like, ha-ha, no, again, I'm, I'm on the throne here. This isn't happening. I'm going to go to work. Well, I get home from work that night, and the house is cleaned out. There's a lot of things gone. That was pretty rough. It kind of started to sit in. Well, I tried calling, of course, tried calling her mom, kind of got psychotic, made a lot of phone calls. And I was like, whoa, this is real. So not knowing what to do, the next morning I wake up. And I wake up really early because part of the story that I usually leave out is, well, I didn't rush home that night to see if they were still there. I went out with all my friends. I got really drunk, was really stupid. It wasn't a priority for me to come home. And uh, so the next morning I wake up hungover, and I wake up early, like 7 o'clock, not in my normal routine for, for a Sunday morning, and just had to go to church, and I walk into Harvest Springs that morning, and a um, guy meets me at the door that I'd met a couple times before, his name's Gary, and he's like, how you doing, brother, and I'm like, horrible, he knew Heather, or Mason's mom, and, uh, and it was really rough, but I went to church that day. And for the first time in my life, I might have experienced a little bit of all that I had learned from way back when I was um, in second grade. started seeing Jesus a little bit in this guy just by how he welcomed me and how he loved me and how he didn't judge the alcohol in my breath and, and all that jazz. And, and so promised him I'd be there in the following week. He introduced me to some, some nice people the following week and started being like, hey, these things, these promises that I've heard God tell you know, this, I'm, I'm finally starting to experience this a little bit. Well, after the third Sunday, I leave, and I, I have to work Thursday night at Applebee's. And I go to work, and I was working the tables right by the bar there. And I come out of the back, and I see the fourth table in, which is my table. And I just stop as I come out the door, because there's four people sitting there. And I was like, whoa. And I walk up to the table. And just the Sunday before, I'd made a commitment to Christ. I was like, God, this, I've seen enough. I've experienced enough. This is yours. This life, whatever you want to do with it, it's yours. I'm going to start living for you. And there's these people sitting there, and I kind of wander up to the table, and I kind of like look around, and I'm like, Mr. and Mrs. Palmer? And just instantly, her eyes start to water, and she starts to cry. And I didn't even get the next words out of my mouth, but what I wanted to say was, before I greeted him, before I said, can I get your drink order? I was like, I just gave my life to the Lord last Sunday. But she said it for me. And then she said some words that were just crazy to me. She's like, we have been trusting God's promises for 22 years that we would see this day. And just last week, because my birthday had been just shortly before, she said, and we knew we were close. They were a couple months off, but 22 years, they did pretty good. She's like, we were talking about your birthday. And how if we were ever going to see God see that through. 22 years later, 22 years of prayer, and they trusted the promises of God. 
And so right then and there, it just thought, I mean, it was pretty emotional. I look over at him, and he's crying. I'm crying. And tears were just flying. But God, whatever he had told them 22 years, whatever they had read in Scripture, they believed it, and they stuck to it for 22 years. Shortly after, I was part of a wedding. And uh, I don't know what the deal was with 22, but I was part of this wedding. One of the guys there was not a believer. At the end of the night, the guy gave his life to Christ. I went to tell his aunt the next day, and as I was walking up, same thing. I'm like, did you hear what happened last night? And she just stopped me, and she's like, did he give his life to Christ last night? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, 22 years of prayer for Walter before he gave his life. So when people ask, you know, does God keep his promises? Yeah, absolutely. Unlike me promising you guys, though, and you guys losing faith and me saying something's going to happen 10 years from now or 22 years from now, God, we can trust. God, we can let him. God had saved me. He'd reigned over my life. He'd kept me out of harm's way. Somehow, I should have been dead a lot. I could sit and talk to you guys forever about things that happened in those 22 years that I shouldn't have been there. But God was there. He'd saved me. And Zachariah is singing because everything he had heard from God had came true, had been made real. So that's the first thing he sang about, the things from the past. The next thing he sings about was things of the present. Luke 1, 76 to 77, he starts saying again, and he's talking about his own son, John. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord and prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. At this point, Zechariah has seen what God's done in the past. He's figured out who's on the throne, who's reigning over his life. And now, with crystal clarity, he's seen what and prophesying and praising God for what God's going to do with his son. And as parents, friends of people, I don't know what we pray for people, but when we're at our child's bedside, are we praying, speaking things that are positive into our kid's life? The tongue has power to bring life or death. If we have anything to do with that, I don't know. But if I'm going to be speaking something to somebody, I hope it's life, not death. And he sings this song. Again, you're going to prepare the way for the Lord Most High. You're going to prepare his ways. You're going to give people knowledge of salvation. I love it when I get to experience somebody coming to Christ. And Zechariah is speaking that into his son's life. And he's figured that out. In fact, something clicked at that moment. And I believe he remembers Isaiah 40, 30 through 40 verses 3 through 4. Because he says it. He quotes these almost exactly in those words. He says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the desert, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill will be made low. And uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places will be plain. That's exactly what Zechariah was speaking. The same words Isaiah had spoke. He's speaking for his son. And what was John's role? That was exactly John's role. His preaching was getting everybody ready for the Messiah. John was critical to the mission of Jesus. And it's the same today, guys. God has a critical role for you to play, for me to play in the mission of Jesus. What is that for me now? Well, I shared with you guys 22 years of being in a crazy life. People came back into my life. The seeds they had planted, well, the story wasn't over there yet. Now what's he want me to do? Well, I was out snow plowing, 
just a couple weeks after that for nitrogreen. And it's funny, I got the radio on, and I had changed. I was no longer listening to this depressing, sad country music stuff. I was listening to K-Love. And this song comes on, and I heard it for the first time. And um, I'm not even going to be able to remember who it is. Uh, Lincoln Brewster, Everlasting God, comes on. I was like, that's a good song. You are the everlasting God, da-da-da-da-da. And um, like, he's going to be here forever. And that just rained through. But then at the end, and I didn't know this about this song, a child's voice comes on and shares what today has influenced almost everything that I do. These words came out from Isaiah again. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. And I stopped right there. I was like, I have heard. The Palmers told me 22 years ago that God was Jesus, that he was everlasting, that he'd be there forever. And it just started resonating. And then the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. There's one Lord, one God. He's creator. This is all his. He rules and reigns over everything. And then that night as I'm plowing, I'm tired. I've been up all night. Believe it or not, things with separating from Mason's mom didn't go really easy. They weren't smooth, and there were some little fights and arguments and between the families, and um, it was affecting my jobs and, and everything. But then these words came out. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, increases and increases the power of the weak. Even use, and that stopped me again. I'm like, yeah, but I'm youthful, I'm strong. And it, he said it. These words from Isaiah. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. I had stumbled, I had fallen, I was tired, I was weary. And God speaking to me through Isaiah right then and there. And this is my life. Everything I'm doing today rests on 4031. And one more thing about this, just because, Sherman, I'm going to use you. Don't get mad at me. Sherman tried to give me this thing that hangs in my car today. And uh, this is several years ago, probably four or five years ago. And it's got some eagle's wings. And he tried to give it to me. And I'm like, no, no, you keep it, man. That's really cool. Well... Sherman had some unfortunate circumstances and I had to go to his apartment and clean out of his apartment. When I walk into his apartment, here hanging there on the covered handle was these words with these eagle wings. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I believe God's reigning in the present and that walking into Sherman's apartment that day to help him out and the very words that I heard on the radio when I was going through my toughest times from Isaiah, and then the fact that they were there, hanging there, and I took them. I was supposed to get his stuff and protect it for him, but I took that and I hung it in my car. And then when Sherman and I reunited, he got in my car and they were there, and he's like, did you get those from? And I was like, yeah, I took them. You offered them to me, I finally took them. So thanks, Sherman. <laughs> and I haven't given them back. I think I offered, but he said, no. No, I think he said, God, God meant those for you. But through those struggles, through days, like Friday, I wake up, and I know Bob's gone. He's in Buffalo, rooting on the bills. I hope the Texans are winning. Um, <laughs> but he's gone, and I woke up Friday after Thursday night feeling good, and obviously I got something going on with my eye. I have an eye infection, sinus infection, and I'm like, man, who can preach on Sunday? And I'm like, not me. And uh, I started making excuses. But again, I remembered these words, and I just remembered, I'm like, 
but those who hope in the Lord. And that word hope there is neat because the other word that we often use is wait. Well, being a waiter, I waited on a lot of people. I knew what it was to wait on people. But those who wait on the Lord, who serve the Lord, do everything for the Lord, he's going to give them strength. And I was like, there's no way out. But you know what? This morning, I felt even worse. I felt horrible. I didn't want to come. This had swollen up. I got a really awesome picture of how bad it was. Nice little crusty thing that I peeled back just so I could see some light through my eye. I can't read my notes up there either, so that's kind of fun. But these words came to me again. And you know, I woke up this morning and I took a breath. And oxygen went into my lungs and filled my lungs. And I was able to get out of bed. I was able to crawl into the shower. I was able to come here. On my own strength, I would have picked not. God brought me here. So is he reigning over my life today? Absolutely. Our Savior reigns on his throne, over my throne, whether I want him to or not. He reigns in the past. He reigns in the present. But Zechariah continues. The third thing that Zechariah praises for, praises the Lord for, is he's a Savior that reigns in the future. Two verses at the end, 78 and 79 of Luke 1. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of the death and to guide us to the path of peace. Those are fun verses to read. And basically, it's just saying everything that you worry about, there's a light coming. It's going to shine in the darkness. The world today looks really dark. Things every day we can sit and talk about things that are happening, and it's pretty depressing. But you know what? There's a light that's going to shine over it all, and it's coming. I'm going to hold on to that. Zechariah held on to it. I'm going to hold on to it, and it's going to, just like the verses in Isaiah, it's going to influence every day of my life from here on out. God has proven faithful in the past. We are experiencing his, his faithfulness today that we're here. There's a million reasons. He could wipe us off just like he did Noah and the ark, but he made a promise with that rainbow saying, hey, I'm not going to do that again. I got other plans. And there's still some other promises that we can hold on to. Jesus' second coming, our resurrection, our heavenly dwelling. Those things all get me excited. I'm ready for those. And you know what? All those things are as good as done. Just like Zachariah, we can say, hey, we can have faith. We can step out. Those things are done. They're going to happen. We can live as if they're going to happen. And then in Philippians, we get one more promise. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. And I know I'm hitting you guys with a lot of scripture today, but you can trust it. It says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Good news? Yeah. Every knee, every tongue's going to confess, every knee's going to bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, what does that mean for us? God reigns in the past, present, He's going to reign in the future. Well, we live in a time where we've seen many of these things come true. History tells us that Jesus was here. He was born. He died. He rose again. All this has been fulfilled. Our question then becomes, are our lives being lived in a way that reflects everything that we've already seen? 
all God keeping all of his promises? And are we holding on to those ones that he promises to fulfill later? So I was trying to think of a real good story about how I was hanging on to everything for the future. And it took me right back to some words in the Bible. And th- these ones have been sticking with me for a couple of weeks. Second Corinthians four sixteen through 18. Here's how I'm living for the future, guys. Therefore, we do not lose heart. It doesn't matter how we wake up, how we're feeling. If we're serving the Lord, waiting on the Lord, he's going to give us everything we need to do. Several times a day, he's kept me from stepping off the edge of this. I can't see it, but I keep feeling it. I'm thinking I'm going to fall, but God's still there. He's reigning over my life. So we don't lose heart. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving us an eternal glory glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We fix our eyes on those things we can't see. Jesus' second coming, our resurrection, they're all coming. And we get a chance to praise and worship. We're going to share a song here. And the lyrics, I want you to listen to these. And I've loved this song. It's kind of old school. We keep things a little more contemporary here. Ryan does a great job. And I asked Ryan if he could play. He's like, dude, that song's so old. Everybody knows it. I could do it from memory. But we're going to bring in a, a little video. But the lyric, Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Those of us who choose to bow to Jesus in this life will be blessed. Check out this video. If you guys want to stand and worship through this, you can. If you want to sit and think about those promises Jesus has for us, you're more than welcome to do that. So what do we learn from Zechariah, guys? What do we learn? Now, he's God. He reigned in the past. He reigns in the present. He's going to reign forever. Now is the time to come and worship. Jesus' birth, we're going into Christmas season. Maybe we're in it. Um, A time of remembrance, Brian said. It's a great time of year where people put an emphasis, you know, on, on Jesus, all God's done. Now it's time to worship. How better can we worship than invite people to know who Jesus is? Invite them to service. Invite them to connect. If they're thinking about going to a different church, great. Just get them in front of the Word of God in a place where they can worship. We can worship here. We can worship how we live by how we live our lives every day. So through our lives, let's come and worship, guys. We learned that from Zechariah. And like Zechariah, If I won't get off the throne, if I won't stop trying to reign in my life, God's going to seal my lips. I might just get pushed off the throne. And I'd rather step down, surrender to a holy, perfect God, and give him my life than learn one more lesson the hard way. Today, we're going to close service with prayer and communion. We take communion openly here at Connect, and everybody's welcome to do so and join us. But it's something that we look at um, seriously, too, because at the end of 1 Corinthians, after talking about communion, it says, do this in a worthy manner. Well, how do we do anything in a worthy manner? We worship God. We give him our all. But the truth is we're all unworthy. None of us deserve the grace, the mercy that we've been shown. 
but because of Jesus, we are worthy. When we stand in front of God, we're going to stand there worthy. We're going to stand there thankful for all he's done and all those promises of the future we're going to experience. So the ushers are going to be handing out the, the elements right now, the bread, the wine, and just go ahead and take it as they're handing it out. I'm going to read this from, from 1 Corinthians. And this was said at the Last Supper. Jesus knew he was going to be deceived, betrayed. <laughs> he knew not only Judas was going to do this to him, but he knew there were people today that would spit in his face, that would be unthankful for all he'd do. And he still, he did this. He went to the cross for us. But before he did that, he took this meal and he, he looked at the bread and he said, this is my body, which is for you. He broke it and he said, when you take this, when you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. By taking this in a worthy manner, you're saying Jesus is returning. He's the Lord of your life. You need him. You love him. And so today, we have an opportunity just to remember all he did and to take this together. You can take your elements at this time, guys. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for all you've done, all you're doing, and all you're going to do. We thank you that every word that you've written to us, that you've said to us, is good as done. It can't be changed. It can't be taken away from us. The thief can't steal or destroy it. can't kill it. But it's as good as gold. Better. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the broken body of your son Jesus. We thank you for the new covenant that we can live by faith, that we can put our faith in you, that it's not by what we do or how we act or anything that we can do in our own strength, but our salvation is in you and you alone and our faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I just pray as we leave here today that uh, your spirit would just dwell in us more so than before, Lord, that we'd have a sensitivity to all you call us to do, that we'd have a sensitivity to the least of those that are out there this holiday season that maybe we might walk by, but that you'd speak to us and give us that opportunity to be a blessing. Lord, we'd look for those opportunities, and we just thank you for them. Lord, just continue to speak to us. We thank you that you'll never leave us. Lord, we give you this day and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.